This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What is the doomsday clock? Who decides the time? And what does it tell us about life as we know it? We'll answer all of these questions and more on this edition of Getting Schooled. I'm Abby Hornacek. Clocks are a measure of time, an indicator of how close we are to reaching a new point in the future or how far we've moved from the past. The doomsday clock holds a similar role. The only difference is it also alerts us to how close we are to human catastrophe. Right now, we are 90 seconds to midnight. Yikes. What does that mean? Don't worry. I got you covered. Here to talk me through all of this is a board member of the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, Robert Rosner. Now, Robert is an astrophysicist. He's a founding director of the Energy Policy Institute at the University of Chicago, where he is the William E. Rather Distinguished Service Professor in the Departments of Astronomy and Astrophysics and Physics. He was also the director of Argonne National Laboratory. That's a big deal. Um, And he joins me now. Robert, how are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Thank you. Great. I'm enjoying uh, uh, interacting with you. Yes, and fun. enjoying the last moments we have before doomsday. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. I think we have more than a few moments. Oh, thank goodness. So I, I went into this podcast. The first thing I said to you when you hopped on was you asked me how I was doing. I said, I think good, but who knows once I find out what doomsday is and, and what the clock nice. is. So let's get right into it. I, um, our, my producer, Kiara, told me about this last week, and she goes, oh, you know, the doomsday clock, we're going to do this podcast. I mean, it's people need to know about it. And I, I looked it up, and I was like, you know what? I, I feel like Robert just needs to ask, answer all my questions. So I guess the first one is, what is the doomsday clock? Okay. So the doomsday clock is a kind of metaphor that uh, it's a message to folks uh, that, uh, may not have been paying attention to uh, the state of the world, and in particular, the state of the world as regards really catastrophic, uh, possible catastrophic events that would affect all of mankind. And it was uh, it was uh, created um, at the behest of uh, a bunch of folks uh, at the originally at the University of Chicago, where I am uh, today. Uh, just around the time uh, when um, uh, the United States managed to uh, finally create uh, the atom bomb and then to deploy it uh, in uh, Japan. And uh, the reason they did this is because uh, they were concerned that uh, we humans may not be all that great at controlling all the things that we create. And in Mm. particular... Uh, what we, what the physicists at the time realized is for the very first time in all of human history, we managed to invent a kind of weapon that could really, in principle, wipe out all life on Earth. It's a pretty sobering thought. 
Wow. I have so many questions about what you just said, if you don't mind me just quickly jumping in. Um, You said folks at University of Chicago, which is where you are now, created this clock. Who are those folks? So they were the folks that were involved in the Manhattan Project, which was, of course, the the American effort to uh, figure out how to use um, uh, atomic energy, so uh, fission, uh, mostly of two elements, uranium and plutonium, uh, to uh, create a weapon. Uh, and uh, as you probably know, some people thought of it as the doomsday weapon. Right? Mm-hmm. So, so, so the physicists, I think, I, I think they, they did not really completely grasp what they had created until they actually blew up the very, very first bomb in uh, New Mexico, in southern New Mexico. And um, Robert Oppenheimer, who led the project from the scientific point of view, uh, basically said something to the effect that, you know, uh, we have created something and it's capable of destroying us. Right. Well, so these people who made this clock, this started in the 40s, right? Well, Because you, you mentioned yes, that, uh, that bomb. Right. Okay. They're, they're the folks that created... A, a, at that time, a, a print magazine called the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists. Today, it's an online journal. It's no longer a print version. Uh, and it's active. And they're the folks that, um, that uh, in a sense, run the doomsday clock. So how do they decide then um, what goes into when they push it back, push it forward, leap it forward? Um I just need to know how it works and how do they decide on these things right. and what time are we at now? That might be the most important question of the maybe, podcast. Maybe I'll, I'll just tell you that number. It's 90 seconds uh, to uh, doomsday right now. Oh my gosh, it but got, not actually 90 seconds because we're not going to get through this podcast. So it, got, it got pushed by 10 seconds. Last year it was 100 seconds. Um so we're closer to doomsday. We're, clo- we're closer. And how is it done? Well, the, so the bulletin has a, um, a, a board, uh, which is called, uh, which is the uh, Science and Security Board, SESB, um, which uh, contains uh, physicists, political scientists, um, uh, every once in a while, also uh, military folks. We have a mili- we have a general uh, on the uh, on that board. So a, a variety of folks who have a great deal of knowledge about the state of the world. So there there are three things we worry about. We worry about nuclear weapons. We worry about uh, climate change, and we worry about um, technologies that are emerging that may, could also be potentially threatening. Okay, I want to jump in there because AI, Robert, uh, yeah. I just did a whole segment on this and you mm-hmm. know we have chat GPT, we've got right. um, just these crazy looking dog things running around. <laughs> <laughs> what is your thought on how AI is going to influence, influence us moving forward? Because we obviously use it for good things like medical advancements, maybe hazardous yep. jobs, people yep. shouldn't be in and in, in, anyway, but then I've seen iRobot and I'm not naive to the fact that we can be overtaken one of these days. Right. Well, so, I, so I'll give you my own take. My own take is that it's a question of ethics. 
as I think uh, you know quite well, um, folks have already demonstrated that you could use uh, ChatGPT to write essays mm -hmm. uh, that actually sound pretty good. Um, so uh, I, as a as a professor at the University of Chicago, I do have some concerns about you know will will my students start using AI to basically do their homework assignments? So so as in so many other cases where uh, new technology comes to the fore, the ultimate question of whether or not it's good or not always resides in humans, the choices that we make and how to, how to use it. And uh, there is no predicting. Sometimes you can be very surprised by what happens. I, I'll give you the best example in my own life. Uh, I started to use the internet. It was then called ARPANET when I was an undergraduate in college. And I thought it was just the coolest thing in the world because I could, fr from where I was, I could dial up computers. So I, I was in Cambridge, I could dial up computers at MIT and I didn't have to go to the computer to run my programs. Mm -hmm. I thought that was just so cool. Mm -hmm. Well, that ARPANET ended up into the internet. And as you know, <laughs> it has great things it has horrible things. And the great things and, and, and horrible things are all the creation of humans. And, uh, we, and we have limited abilities to regulate it. So this is the scary part, that we are constantly creating new things and we're not always wise enough to be able to regulate them in a sensible way. Right. And it is a question if AI gets too smart and how much we rely on it. It's not just how it's used, but it's how reliant we are on this technology. And if we can evolve well, as humans. A good example. I'll give you an example of something that would be horrible. Um, imagine that uh, we build uh, robotic uh, warfighters and we imbue them with intelligence sufficient to make decisions. Like decisions, for example, to kill or not kill. Mm -hmm. and suppose they run away from us. Suppose they run away from us. Yeah. You can imagine wars that are basically started by AI without our control. That was kind of a conversation when they got these drones. I mean, when the military started using drones, but the thing is, is there is a human being operating that drone who needs to make that decision. Um, let's right. say there's a little kid next to the terrorist. I mean, those are human yep. decisions that need to be made. But if we just have these automatic right. drones that go make the decision themselves, I mean, it, it can be a, re a real issue. Well, so here, here's an interesting fact to file away. We've already mastered the technology and the reason is because um, sometimes the thing that the intelligent agent, whatever it is, is too far away for us to be controlled in real time. Mm. And you have probably seen some of these agents. They are the robots that sit on the surface of Mars, that wander around on Mars, exploring the surface of Mars. There's no way that we can really control the motion of those robots on Mars. Mm. And so if this uh, uh, robot is trundling along and encounters, for example, a, you know, a hole in the ground, you don't want it to fall in. So these robots are designed to stop and sense whether or not there are holes around, around them. So we've already mastered completely autonomous robots. They already exist. This is not in our future. This is in our present. Yeah. So the question is, are we going to deploy that kind of technology, completely independent robots, 
They can act in their environment completely independent of us. Are we going to deploy them here? So does that does that go into the calculation of the doomsday clock? Yes. Because yes, you know, like the- of things, yes, we do think about these kinds of things. So right now we think the time is not yet here, but it's something to worry about in the future. All right, we've got to step aside for a quick recess, but we'll be back right after this. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. So you you mentioned, you know, you look at weapons, technology, and so you do look right. at ethics, too, like the downfall Absolutely. of ethics in a way, yes. too. You know, we right now it's currently depending on what topic you're you're chatting about. I mean, we we have changed as a society, in my opinion, and it seems uh-huh. like things that were once not or what were once not okay now seem to be okay by some people's standards. And it is a scary world once you kind of get rid of ethics. And I'm not saying that our world is rid of ethics right now, but you know, if, if we're trending in that direction, it, you wonder how long until things do kind of explode. Right. Right. So these are the kinds, exactly. So, so you, those are the kinds of things that we do worry about. Right. That's and exactly right. you say that um, the doomsday clock is a countdown to maybe some catastrophic event that will affect mankind. Is that right. a physical event or can it be something where, you know, you talk about the end of the world and that can be all where there's this huge explosion or, you know, asteroids come and, and pelt the earth and we all, you know, die. Or is it just a shift in how it once was? Can it be more metaphorical or is it a physical it event is, that's going it is to happen? Metaphor. It is metaphorical. We're, we're, we're not really, uh, it's, a, it's, it's basically a device to catch people's attention. And what we're trying to uh, catch people people's attention to is the statement that goes along with the doomsday clock announcement. Mm. And in that statement, we explain why we reset the clock. And so the real contents is really in the statement. The clock setting itself is simply an announcement that says, we think it's worse than it was before, or it's better than it was before. Okay. So do you foresee, it? just years and years maybe down the road, do you foresee a time mm-hmm. when the clock runs out? Or is your goal to warn people, hey, we're ticking closer to midnight and you better change or <laughs> or else? Yeah, yeah. No, I understand your question. So so my, I think the answer is, is what I, I can only tell you what I hope. I hope that it doesn't run out. Because if it does run out, that means that something really horrible has happened. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example of that. Imagine... Um, a nuclear exchange that, for example, happens not between Russia and us, but maybe between India and Pakistan. And it runs away from them. And it draws in other players like China. And so you have an enormous nuclear exchange that uh, what we know from from, uh, folks that worry about the changing climate as a result of nuclear change, there is such a thing, you might have heard of as nuclear winter. What happens is so much debris is thrown into the atmosphere that the sun basically 
uh, doesn't penetrate through the atmosphere anymore. Wow. And we have a winter year-round that means there is no growing season. Think about that. And that's very possible. Like you it's said, if possible. there is... It's very possible. And one of the things that we've particularly been concerned about is that we, you know, we ha- we're reasonably certain, based on you know the, all these years that we've had uh, weapons, that the most likely thing to go wrong is not an intentional attack, but an accident. Mm. Somebody miscalculates. And as you probably know, such mistakes have been made in the past, and we just lucked out. You know, there was, a, for example, the case of the Russians thinking that a sounding rocket that was uh, launched in Sweden uh, was actually an ICBM coming in from the United States. And they went on red alert and were close to launching missiles at us. Think about that. And it was just pure, pure, pure dumb luck that it didn't happen. Someone in the chain of command, in, in the, who was then the Soviet Union, decided, nope, this is not a, an American rocket heading toward them. Thank so God. Have, <laughs> yes. Miss, you know, it, 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 I always say to my daughters, you know, uh, that just realize in life, terrible things always happen. Mistakes are always made especially in stressful times. And this is in particular why we're so concerned about the Ukraine war. Because their mistake, you know, uh, there's something called the fog of war. You know, in wartime, uh, people are tense, they're nervous, uh, people are shooting each other, and mistakes can be made. Right. And we just, we're just hoping and praying that, that they're not consequential. I mean, when you're, when you're thrust into a a stressful situation, uh, your brain acts in a way that it might not typically act. I have this conversation with a military member saying that, you know, if you, for example, if if you're going to own a gun in your home and you have a permit and everything, you have to go to the gun range because you think if there's an intruder, you're going to grab that gun and you're going to be all great. But your brain, you can't control how your brain acts. So on a larger scale, like you're mentioning in terms of war or you know, maybe the Russians falsely thinking that it was an American missile. There can be snap decisions made depending on the state of mind of those right. people at that time. Yep. That yep. is really terrifying yep. to think about. It is. <laughs> so, I'm, glad, I'm glad I got you this point. Yes. It's, see, that's my well, point. Yes. not enough people yeah. look at this. And, and to your point, I, I kind of I like what you said about the doomsday clock being almost an a device to show uh through a statement hey i we're warning you that this this is trending in this direction it can be reversed in a way but you know if we don't make changes this is going to keep ticking closer to midnight um so i'm kind of looking at these times now so we have 90 seconds this year and then Mm -hmm. last year it was 100 no sorry 2020 was 100 seconds how often do you guys change the clock uh well, we evaluate it every year. Okay. Every year. And we, we go through an analysis. Analysis typically starts in uh, the spring, and it goes through the summer and the, uh, and the fall. And we basically watch events. We have lots of discussions. We have climate scientists, nuclear weapons experts, uh, nuclear policy experts, technology experts, um, 
folks that have been, you know, in responsible government positions, uh, both uh, go, you know, government, uh, uh, you know, in Congress, in um, uh, in National Security Council, in the uh, in the Defense Department. So we have folks that are familiar with what goes on, and uh, we. It's 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 an incredibly interesting discussion, sometimes very depressing, quite frankly, but it's it's a way of de- you know coming to terms with how we want to talk to the general public and alert them to whether or not we should think about what we're doing, right, and where we're heading. So, do you when you say ninety seconds to midnight is each second? That's not like it doesn't relate to like oh, it's ninety years till doomsday. No, I mean, it no, doesn't no, really. No, it's no, just no. all. I know no. you keep saying it's metaphorical, but it's a metaphor. Don't it? We don't go and there is no computer program that we have that computes uh, spits out. Okay, the so we're not ticking. Yeah, okay, I see. It's a qual. It's a qualitative statement. I'm kind of curious when you look at. Over the course of history, when was uh, when were we the furthest away from doomsday? When was um, the most peaceful time? The, the most peaceful time, I would say, probably. Um, uh, so we were as much as seventeen minutes away, and this was uh, after the fall of the Soviet Union, dissolution of the Soviet Union, and you probably remember that everyone thought, ah breathe huge sigh of relief mm-hmm. uh, that was those are the days when the Ukraine for example gave up its weapons it was became an independent state and it agreed with Russia to give back all of the nuclear weapons that were stationed in the Ukraine back to Russia kind of amazing Wow and you now you're looking... probably regretting that today <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Well, it's it's um, you know you see that relation now. I mean that 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 was the most peaceful time, and now it's one of the most. Yeah, we, ten- we thought it was times. the end of the Cold War. You know, right. we thought the the Cold War had ended. Wow, fantastic! Are we the right. closest to doomsday now? At yes. ninety seconds, yes, the closest yes. we've ever been. We've never ever been. Yep. So, what will it take to reset the clock now? Well. The, the the easiest one to identify would be if the war in Ukraine finally uh, ends and uh, Russia and the Ukraine reach some sort of settlement. Mm. So they stop fighting. That would definitely be a huge positive. But would Absolutely. you, but, but so if that, if that happens and, you know, pray to God it does happen, would you yeah. still though be considering the like AI and ethics and, and yes, other things going on in our world? Of course. No, those those things unfortunately don't go away, right? Right. So I guess when I say reset, I don't mean necessarily being pushed back. I mean like we're we're good to go. We're gonna we're gonna start all over. No, I. I that doesn't really happen. I, I wish. I wish that. I wish that <laughs> would happen. But it, it, you know, you, you'd have to think really, pretty optimistically to see a complete reset because we're we humans are so devilishly clever and always creating things that give you pause. I mean, we're really good at that. Right. We are. So is there, there's never like a daylight savings with this clock where <laughs> <laughs> you, you just get to go I forward, fast you forward know, a bunch? No, no, no. I, I wish. You mean, <laughs> just an automatic reset. No, no. Wow. We, we haven't considered that yet. 
I mean, this is this is just an interesting conversation to have because, you know, there are so many things that happen in our world on so many different levels. And, you know, someone might be like if you're a a war analyst, you might be engrossed in this this Ukraine Russia war and really being like this is doomsday. But then you might be a technology analyst and being like, wow, the way we've evolved has kind of gotten us away from humanity. And but you you guys are looking at all of it. Yes, we are. How long yes. are those meetings? I mean, that just hours makes my head hours spin. Hours uh, spent debating it. Yeah, we, we find it, you know, it's not always uh, the most pleasant thing in the world, but it's definitely the most engaging thing because, you know, the people that uh, that take part in these discussions really care. And the care has to do not just, you know, it's not entertainment for us. It's basically trying to answer the question, what do we tell the public about what they should or shouldn't worry about? That's really what, that's how really how we see things. And the key thing to remember is that, that the group, if you were to look at the group, in fact, you can look, look us up. Uh, you'll find it's a pretty bipartisan group. We don't have, you know, we're not all progressives or, or hardline conservatives. Mm-hmm. We're, we cross the political boundaries. That's good. Yeah. That's really very good. Important. Very healthy. Very yes. Uh, uh, the thing is that we, we, we're not just talking to one set of uh, folks here in the United States or the world. We want to speak to everyone. And if you want to speak to everyone, you have to be very inclusive. We ourselves have to be very inclusive. And that's extremely important to us. Mm-hmm. Do you guys ever hardcore disagree where they're like, Bob, you're wrong? Yes, of course. That's the whole point. <laughs> yes. So how do you remedy I mean, that then? All, how do you come to an agreement? You know, what no 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 no. The whole point is that you've hit on the critical point that we really argue through all of these issues. We we it, it is very important, very important to us to have everybody heard and if there are disagreements to work through them. And there are disagreements, absolutely. Mm-hmm. If we all were in lockstep, uh, I think we would have zero credibility. Zero credibility. I agree. Because uh, if, if you disagree, um, it, it's a health, it's healthy discourse. And that's yes. how you yes. eventually, and that, that's how you get different perspectives. We'll be right back after this. This is this is really fascinating to me, and and people can follow this, and they can check in every year. Um, you you said you guys meet yearly, but do you come out and adjust the clock yearly? So yes, so the the adjustment is done in public at the National Press Club uh, every January, typically the end of January, which we ju- just did, in fact, just last week, in fact. Mm hmm. That's that's what prompted us to do this, because we're like, oh, right. 90 seconds until midnight. <laughs> we right. got to talk about right. this. That happened last week. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So just kind of as we wrap things up here, what do you think is the most important thing to know about the doomsday clock? I think uh, maybe the, the most important thing is that um, is to read the statement and uh, to understand what issues we we believe the folks that have basically made the decision to to move the clock hand uh, are the are the issues that we as humans need to think hard about and whether or not 
we are comfortable with these things or we need to step in and change things mm. and, and do something about it. And but one of the things that, that, for example, that hugely worried us was that uh, when, when we looked at, uh, for example, here in the United States, to what extent did people really worry about the, the, the state of uh, nuclear weapons, uh, we found that, discouragingly enough, very few people uh, remembered how dangerous they were and weren't worried anymore, even though we saw, uh, you know, some years ago, that uh, the way the Russians were proceeding was in a very da dangerous way. So we simply, you know, you, you might think of the doomsday clock almost like the canary in the mine. It's telling you, uh-oh, watch out, mm -hmm. pay attention, and maybe engage in discussions among citizens, not just this, this select group, but in the general public about where we're heading. I lied to you. That's I have one more question based off of something you said. Um, what last, I know we kind of talked about it, but in your opinion, having studied this and, and having such an integral part in, in uh, deciding what the doomsday clock reads, what do you mm -hmm. think is the biggest threat to humanity? Is it nuclear weapons or is it something on the more ethical line? So, um, uh, <laughs> you said the, the important word, uh, ethics. I think the most dangerous thing right now is the threat of nuclear weapons. And the reason is just the one uh, that I told you earlier about, which is mistakes do happen. And sometimes mistakes lead to catastro catastrophic consequences. So once we run, there are things have to do with climate change, to what extent do we react to it? Uh, you know, uh, what is our tolerance to you know, uh, uh, climate-driven disasters that also, you know, are very effective in killing people. Um, there, so there are all sorts of issues out there that are, uh, that one worries about. But right now, I think it's pretty clear it's the nuclear threat. Yeah, and if you really think about it, there is a tie of ethics in there because ethics and the threat of nuclear weapons can go hand in hand, depending on yep. who might deploy them. Robert, thank you so much. This has been incredibly interesting and insightful. Thank you so much for taking the time. And let's hope that that clock never reaches midnight. <laughs> I'm, with you. I'm with you. I appreciate your time. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye then. If you miss anything from class, these are my office hours, and here are some top takeaways about the doomsday clock. Number one, the doomsday clock is a metaphor. It's a message to folks who might not be paying attention to the state of the world and possible catastrophic events that would affect mankind. Number two, the clock is determined by a board of folks from different backgrounds who take into consideration things like weapons, technology, ethics, climate change, things like that. Robert gives the example of nuclear winter and how possible that just might be. Nuclear winter is the idea that if there was a nuclear war, God forbid, there would be so much debris in the air that it would block the sun so that nothing can grow. That would obviously have a catastrophic consequence. And number three, 
According to the clock, right now, we are at 90 seconds to doomsday, which is the closest we've ever been to midnight. Robert says the main reason is because of the war in Ukraine and points out that sometimes in war, mistakes happen, and those mistakes are what can lead to cataclysmic consequences. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast on the Doomsday Clock. For more podcasts, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to leave us a review. This has been Getting Schooled with Abby Hornacek on the Fox News Podcast Network. Class dismissed. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.